0: to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. In the gospel, the history of, of Jesus that Luke wrote down... The story I'm about to read, the the true account, it's the very first one of Jesus in his public ministry. After he gets baptized and then he goes out in the wilderness and is tempted by the devil, this is the very first one. Now, Luke could have recorded different accounts, but it's like Luke is saying, hey, here is Jesus. Here is the beginning of his ministry. How are people going to react to him? Here's the answer. Luke 4, I'm gonna read the entire account and then we'll work through it. to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, Jesus continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon, which is north of Israel. And there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is God's word. It must have been quite a, quite a sight, quite a moment, don't you think? Jesus, back in his hometown, where everyone knew him, as was his custom, like he was an every week type of church person. He didn't miss, and he had heard whatever this building looked like. He had heard so many expositions of God's word in this building, and now now he was back, and it was his turn, and the place was packed because everyone wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Jesus, Joseph's son, they had heard some things about him, and now he was here, and today was his day, the day that he finally got to speak and teach on God's word. And everyone was there. Like, the, the what's-his-name, you, you can't even remember, but he played with Jesus as a kid out in the mud. And Mary's best friend, the one who changed Jesus' diapers when he was a kid, she was there too. And everyone else, like, back then, people didn't move around as much as they did today. Pretty much everyone, probably, who Jesus had grown up with, they were there. It was the same people. And Nazareth was a very, very small insignificant for the most part, town. Everyone was there. And word on the street, was that this Jesus guy, hometown boy? He was quite something. They had heard he was even doing miracles now. They'd heard he'd done them in Capernaum, just down the road. And so here it was. It's finally, finally Jesus's day. And he gets up, receives the Isaiah scroll. He opens it up, finds where he wants to read. He, he knows what he wants to read. He reads from the Bible, and then he goes and sits down. Because that was, that was what you did back then when you were about to authoritatively preach in those days and tell people what God's word said, you sat down. And he started by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he read read the one, the one where Isaiah is preaching about the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who it says he's going to come and enact God's salvation program to, to proclaim good news to the poor, to release the oppressed, proclaim freedom for prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He sits down, people are wondering what he's going to say. And he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, that's almost certainly not all that he said. It's all that's recorded for us. The sermon most likely went on. And you can imagine, can't you, as the people are listening to Jesus. Can you imagine hearing Jesus preach to you? And I know you get to hear him in the Bible all the time. But can you imagine listening to him? And they they could probably feel it. They could probably feel release from their oppression, freedom from their sins, forgiveness that Jesus was proclaiming to them And then it was maybe like he just got started all too soon. It was over and he was done. And the church was abuzz with chatter. They were all amazed. They were speaking well of him. And then someone said this thing and maybe it spread around in whispers. They said, isn't isn't this Joseph's son? And they all kind of wonder. Now, some people say that that could have been kind of a dark question that came from a place of, of being offended. Um, like, how dare you, Jesus, tell us that we need, need rescuing? Or Jesus, you're Joseph's kid how dare you be so bold to say that you're the one that God promised to send to to do his salvation program, to save the world, to release all the prisoners, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Jesus, how dare you do that? You're you're just one of us. Who do you think you are? Some people say the question was along those lines, but but that's not what Luke says because Luke says they all spoke well of him. Luke says they were all amazed he doesn't say that they were offended. So, so what were they saying when they said, isn't that Joseph's son? If they weren't offended, because all spoke well of him and were amazed. They were trying to control him. They were saying, yeah, this is our Jesus, and he's great, and he's ours. And we know this, that they were trying to control him because Jesus makes it clear with his response. Here's what he said. And and we don't know if he actually heard them say these words or he just knew what they were thinking in their heads. He said, I can tell what you're thinking. You want to quote that proverb, physician, heal yourself. You want me to do miracles here like I did in Capernaum because they'd heard he was a great preacher. They heard he was a great miracle worker. And so Jesus knows that they're thinking Now it's time, not just for Jesus to come home and tell us God's word, but for Jesus to come home and perform for us and to do what we want. You might even say uh, perform like like a circus animal to do tricks for him because, I mean, he's our boy, right? He's Joseph's kid. We know him. I played with him when I grew up. He kind of owes it to us, don't you think? It's time for Jesus, this great person, to come home and do right to his own people. There's a book, I'll admit I haven't read the whole thing, but it's called American Jesus by a man named Stephen Prothero. And he describes, basically he goes through and, and describes how all different groups of people, even people of all sorts of religions, they have their own kind of Jesus. And there's, there's American Jesus. And then there's billboard Jesus. You put him on a billboard to say what you want to say, um, there's platform Jesus. You use Jesus to promote whatever the platform is that you want to promote. There's, there's all these different things. American Jesus kind of sums it up, but, but it's basically what the people of Nazareth were doing. It's, you think, he's my boy. He's, he's my own. He, he's our Jesus. He's in my corner and he is in your corner, but you're thinking of it in a different way. You're putting yourself in the corner and saying, Jesus, come here and be by me where I am. Not bring me into your corner and and bring me to be with you. No, you, Jesus, come and be with me and do what I want you to do. And there's a warning for us here in the people of Nazareth, for all of us. And the warning is to, to make sure that the Jesus you like, that the Jesus you love, that the Jesus you get excited about Make sure he's not the American Jesus or the billboard Jesus or the fill-in-the-blank Jesus. Make sure, make sure he's not just the one who affirms what you do in your corner of the world. Make sure he's the real Jesus. Now, you saw what happened, but, but these Nazareth people, there is no evidence that they were naturally violent people. There's no evidence that they had ever done anything like this before or that they ever did it again, like pushed someone off a cliff or at least tried to. So why'd they do it? And it's because Jesus had touched something in them that was deeply unstable, deeply, deeply evil, you might say. Because they said, isn't this Joseph's kid? And then you heard it, but Jesus unleashed the second sermon on them. He said, here's my theme. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. And then he tells them stories. He says, hey, you remember Elijah? There were a lot of widows in Israel, but Elijah didn't go to any of them. He went to a non-Israelite widow in Zarephath. And remember in Elisha's day, there were a lot of lepers in Israel, but Elisha, he didn't go to any of them. He went to not just a person from a different country, but the commander of the army of a different country. And the the point was clear. The insinuation was obvious. The people in Nazareth were those people, the same ones from long ago who had refused to see God through his anointed prophet, even in those days. And they got so angry, so full of wrath. And you know the power that anger has. They weren't even thinking about it, probably. I don't think they had an open forum or a congregational meeting and decided, we're gonna take Jesus to the cliff now. No, it just happened, kind of like a tidal wave. Their anger, no one said, here's what we're gonna do, but all of a sudden, they were outside pushing Jesus. All of a sudden, they were across the street. All of a sudden, they were at the edge of the cliff. It's what their wrath had swarmed over them and caused them to do. You want to know how to, how to get someone to do that? Because you might say, wait a minute, they were all amazed. They were all speaking well of him. And then they're pushing him off a cliff. You want to know how to make someone angry like that? Tell them what to do. just tell them what to do. Tell them that they're not Lord over their own person. Tell them they don't get to do whatever they want to do. Tell me that. It'll make me angry because it makes all of us angry. Tell them that they're not their own personal Lord. Tell them that Christ is their Lord. So they jostled him, they pushed him, this human tidal wave, all the way to the edge of the cliff. And I can't take credit for describing it this way. I heard someone else say it. But then Jesus pulled a Houdini. I wonder what it looked like. I wonder how he did it. Like, did he disappear from the edge of the cliff? And they all, like, where is he? And then he appeared like 100 yards away. I I don't know. Or or did he he cause them all to be paralyzed and they were forced to watch him as he walked through the crowds and they desperately wanted to grab him and throw him off the cliff, but they couldn't. And then when he was far enough away walking off into the sunset, then then they could move again? I have no idea. How did they react after they realized what had happened? Like they wanted a miracle, they got one. I, I don't know. I don't know how exactly he did it or, or how they reacted, but I do know this. Jesus didn't walk through the crowd that day in Nazareth just to avoid death. Because he didn't come to this world to avoid death. No, because Jesus would walk, walk into a different town a couple years later knowing full well what was going to happen. He didn't didn't walk away from that cliff to escape human wrath. He didn't walk into Jerusalem a couple years later to give in, to submit himself to human wrath. No, he walked into Jerusalem to submit himself to God's wrath. A wrath far, far worse, far worse than any human wrath. He went into Jerusalem to bring good news to us poor people, to release us from the captivity, you might say, of our personal lordship, and to take us and put us, even though sometimes we don't like it, under his lordship, to say, you're not your own master, but guess what? I am, and it's far better for you that I am. He went to Jerusalem die. He walked away from death on this day to walk into death another day because he knew on that day in Jerusalem was the day that he would really finally fulfill Isaiah 61 to proclaim release to the captives, to proclaim forgiveness of sins, to show us once and for all that no matter what you think separates you from God, whatever guilt or sin, it doesn't because Jesus put it to death when he died on the cross. And then in the face of death, In Jerusalem, Jesus pulled another Houdini and walked straight out of the grave on Easter morning. Luke put this at the beginning of his letter How do people react to Jesus? Here's an example. How does Jesus react to people reacting and rejecting him? He knows when it's the right time for him to die. And he walks away from death so that he can walk into death at another time so that you never have to walk into death. You never have to worry about God's wrath because there's none of it left for you because Jesus took it all. Now, there's a a man, he was one of my seminary professors. His name is Dr. Alan Sorum. And I, I heard him say this week, That naturally we are all hostile to Jesus. But it's insane that we are naturally hostile to Him. So so don't be surprised when you feel about Jesus in those moments, maybe for longer than a moment. Don't be surprised when your insides rise up when you hear the Bible say something and you think, how can that be? How can that be right? It doesn't make any sense. When your insides rise up and you want to take Jesus to the edge of the cliff, you want to kick him out of your life and say, no, no, I'm good all on my own. Don't be surprised when that happens because naturally we're hostile to God. Also, don't trust your feelings about Jesus. Even when your insides rise up, listen to The real Jesus, even when you're offended, even when you want to drag him to the edge of the cliff, don't don't trust your feelings. Trust him. Naturally, we're all hostile to Jesus, but Dr. Sorum said, It's insane that we are. He said, You know why? Read the rest of Luke, read the whole thing. He did everything that God said he was going to do, he released people from all sorts of captivity. Most of all, spiritual. He proclaimed freedom for prisoners from sin and guilt. And guess what? At the end of it, he walked into death and then walked out alive. And because at the end of it all, Jesus didn't just walk into death, but he rose from the dead, there's only one thing to do every single day for us. Look at the real Jesus, repent, run to him, for forgiveness, the freedom that he freely gives and submit to his lordship. Hold on and never let go. Amen.